It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Senator Ron Johnson standing by on the phone right now to talk about the progress. What has changed? What the you know what it looks like in terms of a chance to get this repeal done? Good to have you on the show, Senator. Well, Vicky, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. So you're, I think it's good news. I mean, maybe you don't, but it seems to those of us looking that it's good news that that McConnell has held the Senate in session at least into two weeks of the August recess. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. Listen, I, last uh, Thursday when I you know at our Republican lunch. And the private meeting with uh, Leader McConnell, I, I offered to stick around, even if we weren't in session, to work with leadership and their staff and, and crafting the final bill that uh, is being scored right now by CBO and, and that we'll probably be voting on sometime next week. Uh, he didn't take me up on that offer, but I, I would have preferred staying in session just to keep working on that bill. But the leadership has apparently produced a bill. I, I have not seen the you know, the written version of it, we're going to get the, the written text on Thursday. He gave us some broad outlines, which I'd rather wait till I actually have the written text and even more so the, the final CBO score on that. Right, is this, now, the last time you and I talked, you had identified a problem in, in, the, in using the wrong CBO baseline. Is the new bill using the new CBO baseline from 2017? Well, again, that baseline really only referred to the estimates of how many people were going to lose coverage. And it really related to the, the $15 million that CBO estimated would lose coverage the first year under the, the Senate plan. And you kind of break that thing down, about $4 million apparently just giving up free Medicaid coverage because we eliminate the individual mandate. Now, how crazy is that? The, the baseline effect is about $7 million because if you compare the Senate bill to the January 2017 baseline, uh, there'd be no difference. So that $7 million goes away, leaving us about 4 million people uh, potentially losing health care because we eliminate the employer mandate. Uh, mandate. That, that's a little bit more a plausible number of people losing coverage uh, because we've given individuals and employers the freedom to choose whether or not they're going to purchase health care or not. Um, you know, Vicki, I've, I've got to talk about something that Steve Daines, a great senator from Montana, another private sector guy, he finally got information from the uh, from the IRS, and it shows in Wisconsin, this is off the top of my head, I don't have the spreadsheet in front of me, but, but 115,000 Wisconsinites chose to pay the penalty because they couldn't afford that, you know, wow. for whatever reason. They just didn't cover. And almost eight, oh, more than 80% of those individuals made less than 50,000, almost 50% made less than 25,000. Yeah, th- th- those are some stunning. That's a stunting indictment against Obamacare where low-income Wisconsinites, 150,000 of them, 115, paid the penalty because they they chose not to purchase insurance or more likely they simply couldn't afford uh, premiums that have doubled and tripled on the individual market. You know, amazing statistic. Senator, that is actually astonishing because that is, you know, about the size of what, the city of Janesville? Something like that. It's it's the size of a city in Wisconsin. The number of people who chose to pay the pay the penalty instead of 
taking the Obamacare coverage because they couldn't afford it. Now, my question is, from what you have seen and knowing that we are talking about the individual market here, which I think sometimes gets lost in the mix, we are talking about the individual market here. People who are being priced out of purchasing health insurance coverage because of what the federal government has done to make it very, very expensive. What are the changes that you are hoping for coming out next week that will allow insurance companies to offer lower cost products to those same people who couldn't afford to buy Obamacare? Well, what conservatives have primarily been asking for is a, something to legalize affordable health care plans. I mean, what, what a concept that is. Right. I mean, think about it. Obamacare made it illegal to have insurance companies offer and for individuals to purchase affordable health care plans. So we've been looking for something to do that. Now, the Senate bill makes insurance somewhat more affordable. They, they change actuarial value. They, they you know, revise the, the age band uh, part of community rating. Again, these things start getting pretty technical. But according to CBO score, in two years out, uh, according, to, according to CBO, the, the Senate bill would produce premiums that are about 30 cents below the current Obamacare baseline. Now, I wish you were a whole lot lower, and I think it could be if we really have the courage to address pre-existing conditions and other high-cost conditions in a very honest and forthright manner. You, you can cover people with pre-existing conditions without collapsing insurance markets, which was the architecture of Obamacare, but because it's such a lightning rod issue, because it's politically risky to even talk about it, much less do something about it, you know, that, that's been kind of my, my biggest disappointment. We haven't been courageous enough to really address well, and that, that major but, but problem that, of Obamacare. Then if you do not see dramatic, you know this, but, but, you know, people are saying to the Republicans in the Senate, if you don't see costs plummet, if you don't see new options come online, I know that there's been talk of offering, you know, low cost, no frills coverage for people who only want basic coverage. If you don't see that happen, how is it going to be, how is, are the Republicans going to claim that they have substantially improved the healthcare marketplace if the healthcare marketplace is still totally dysfunctional because of federal intervention. Well, we'll point to other good aspects of the bill. I mean, for example, we are expanding the use of HSAs, which is a good thing. That's more consumer-driven uh, competition in the marketplace. Uh, if the reports are that, we will allow people to purchase health care plans using HSAs. Now, that's actually a pretty big deal, Vicki. You'll see a lot more money being plowed into HSAs because now you are actually equalizing the treatment for those individuals on the, on the individual market. I mean, think about it. Those individuals, the 5 to 7% of American population uh, that have seen their premiums double and triple have to purchase those, those insurance policies with after-tax dollars, unlike the rest of us who get group policy that our insurance is, is uh, purchased with pre-tax dollars. Uh, we are turning the management of Medicaid over to the states, which is also a good thing. And, you know, I was in Wisconsin last week. I met with a number of people. Uh, I was I think I was made a pretty effective case to calm individuals down that were concerned their Medicaid is going to be taken away from them. Nothing could be further from the truth in Wisconsin because we are not an expansion state. What we're ramping back here on, on Medicaid is Medicaid expansion, which covers able bodied, working age, childless adults at a higher percentage than what the federal government's funding disabled children, for example. So 
I'm trying to protect Medicaid for disabled individuals, disabled children, children, and the elderly population because what's being put at risk is that legacy Medicaid because of Medicaid expansion where the federal government's paying more than 90% to fund Medicaid for able-bodied, childless, working-age adults. And by the way, when I, when I took that message into Wisconsin, I, I had some disabled individuals agree with me. I mean, they came in the meeting concerned, you know, trying to convince me, don't do this. And I think they left the meeting going, we shouldn't be giving Medicaid dollars to able-bodied, working-age, childless adults. And that's kind of our point. I agree. And and I think that, you know, the, the, the story on Medicaid is a story that can be told, you know, on its own, because it's pretty remarkable exactly just how messed up the Medicaid expansion had become. And to your point, I mean, you are when you're essentially making it, um, you know, more cost effective to cover uh, people who don't actually need Medicaid. That makes no sense. But back to the individual insurance market, the people who have, you know, they, they don't have employer based coverage. They need to buy insurance. You know, their their, pre, their premiums drove, as you said, you don't have the spreadsheet for sure, but about 100,000 to 115,000 people off the insurance rolls. Will what you have seen in the Senate bill substantially lower the cost, make it much, much easier for those folks to find an affordable health care plan that isn't going to you know, come packaged with a $7,000 deductible that they've got to meet first? Well, again, I don't have the CBO score, but the first Senate plan... Compared to the baseline, in two years, premiums would be 30% lower. Now, you know, so it's marginally better. I don't think it's as good as we could have done had we actually had the courage to fully address the root cause of what caused premiums to increase double and triple on the individual market. But that's the problem we have with politicians that are concerned about re-election. They're they're not willing to show the, the kind of courage that we need to actually solve these very difficult problems, this big mess created by Obamacare, but it's, it's better than where we are. And that, in the end, Vicki, is what I've, I've been very consistent in saying. You know, my manufacturing background is in my DNA, continuous improvement. Whatever I am forced to vote on, and I delayed this to try and make it better, and I think there have been improvements made. I think there have been things that went in the wrong direction as well, probably, in the Senate bill. But in the end, whatever bill I'm going to be forced to vote on, I'm going to evaluate it based on are we in a better position tomorrow than we are today under Obamacare? And what I've heard about the Senate bill, even the previous one, we were probably in a marginally better position. But my disappointment is I think we could have done a much better job. You know, and I know I know that you're I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but that does not sound like repeal Obamacare that a lot of people ran on. That sounds I mean, marginally better is not repeal Obamacare. Here's a question. Can Tom Price do anything in his executive capacity to make this better? Yes. And, you know, certainly one of the things they call the 1332 waivers, you will give states a great deal more latitude than they certainly had under Obamacare. These waivers existed in Obamacare. They were just, uh, the, the requirements were so onerous, very few states took advantage of them. But again, my concern is responsible states like Wisconsin that didn't take the Medicaid expansion and still close, the only state to close the coverage gap caused by Obamacare, responsible states will, will take care, will take advantage of the waivers, will drive our premiums down, which means our citizens will have less subsidies you know, given to them because premiums are lower and they're going to pay a certain percent of income. But irresponsible states w- won't. Their premiums will remain sky high and American tax, Wisconsin taxpayer dollars will go into federal fisc 
and be even more unevenly distributed to the irresponsible states. Just like what's happening with Medicaid expansion right now. And again, it's been my enormous frustration that we have not been able to really do much to address that disparity between uh, Medicare expansion or Medicaid expansion states and non-expansion states. Right. When does the states. when do now, those subsidies phase out? Or don't they phase out the subsidies? Because that's a good point you make. Is that in states like Wisconsin have tried to be responsible and, and will take the waiver if a waiver is offered in order to try to drive the cost of premiums, the, the cash you're paying out of your pocket down, are going to be penalized because the subsidies will be will be transferred to states that don't do that. So when do those subsidies start to phase out, or don't they? Well, for Medicaid expansion, that pretty well reverts to normal Medicaid in terms of the federal match in about seven years. Uh, the Obamacare subsidies are not being repealed, Vicki. Bottom line. And, you know, and, and Vicki, I can't tell you how enormously frustrated I am, you know, having never been part of the political process, joining the party, you know, the party that I thought was completely dedicated to repealing, and yes, replacing, but I mean fully repealing Obamacare so we could replace it with something that actually worked, and we're not fully repealing Obamacare, not, 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 not even close. And I can't tell you how frustrating that is, but it's the reality we're facing right now. I, I don't, I, I'm completely gobsmacked by this. I am. And I'll tell you why. Because next, you know, you, we're coming up on an election year. And, you know, the whole argument is give us 60. Get the Republicans, not, I'm not talking about you. I can sense the frustration in your voice. But give us 60. Then we can do all of the things that we can't do right now because we're beholden to having to cut deals with moderates. You know, saying, well, we made it moderately better isn't exactly a, a you know, a, a calling card to vote for more Republican power, because I'm, 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 I'm just telegraphing what, pe- what people's frustration is going to be. And I, I completely share and, and feel their frustration. And you, yeah. Vicky, how many times have I told you nobody can out frustrate me? I, yeah, except maybe the person who's got to pay you know, three times or, or twice what they normally were paying for insurance. Well, that person might out frustrate by you. By the way, that, you're exactly right. That person cannot frustrate me. Those, 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 those people that Bill Clinton was talking about, that I wrote about in the New York Times, people out there busting it, working 60 hours a week. They make too much money to, to qualify for subsidies. They can't afford insurance. They're part of that group. In Wisconsin, 115,000 Wisconsinites that are just saying, I'm going to pay the penalty because even if I purchase insurance, high deductible plan, it's, it's, I'm better off paying the penalty. That's the flaw. That is how faulty, how horrible the architecture was of Obamacare. And no, we're not fully repealing Obamacare. We're not. So Cruz and Lee. I wish we were, but we're not. Cruz and Lee have offered up, you know, let's just allow states to, you know, um, permit the sale of the low frill, you know, the low cost no frills plans, um, they're not going to qualify for subsidies or anything like that. Um, is that a, a possibility in the future, perhaps? That, well, that you know, because that, that would that would you know the non qualifying plans that are not going to have that schedule of benefits that that drive the costs up so dramatically. I'm guessing that that's probably a pipe dream. Well, again, that, that's the desire to legalize affordable health care, which I think I know. is a pretty reasonable proposal. Um, you know, I've been talking to CBO director Paul. Uh, it's it's unfortunately a new concept CBO. Even though I had 22 Republican senators join me in a March 23rd letter to get a CBO score on repealing all the market reforms, I never got that score. And so, does Director Hall have the time to score a new concept that they haven't been working on prior to us taking up Senate leadership bill? 
my guess is probably not, or what we get is going to look pretty bad because, again, this has come together pretty quick, and do we have an adequate funding mechanism to make sure that we spread the cost of covering people with preexisting conditions, high-cost conditions across the entire population, as opposed to right now, the Obamacare architecture is making the 5 to 7 percent of the population on the individual market bear that full cost burden. That's why premiums are doubled and tripled. That's the problem. We're talking about a small group of people who are being asked to shoulder the entire burden of this process and this law. And, you know, I think those people would probably say that doesn't seem very fair to me. Um, I, you know, I guess marginally improved is better than nothing. But, you know, at the same time, is is there is there nobody is there no substantial group of Republicans, you, you know, that that can put pressure on the weak, um, politically minded Republicans who apparently would rather put their political careers ahead of solving this problem that every single Republican campaigned on either directly or by the enthusiasm of the repeal of Obamacare movement. Is there not enough people in the Senate left to just say we are willing to, you know, just shame the people who are trying to just simply marginally improve a completely fundamentally broken law? Well, well, Vicki, that's why I said I would not vote for motion to proceed last time to give us time to put that kind of pressure uh, you know, particularly internally, remind everybody, you know, you, you, you really did promise to repeal Obamacare. And repeal Obamacare means not, not extending the life of Medicaid expansion for seven years, not leaving enrollment open for two or three years. You know, that ends it. Like, now. Uh, they all promised it, but, you know, when it comes to really, really push or shove, uh, apparently not. So, no, I mean, that's, Any, and you, yeah. saw the heat, you saw the heat I took for just that, Weeks oh, you, By the way, you were it, accused, it, it, you were accused of destroying America for delaying the, the process of the bill. Well, you know, again, I, it was the right thing to do. It did afford me the opportunity to, to hear from a lot of constituents in Wisconsin. I got more information, which I was able to convey, I think, provide a fair amount of comfort to people who do rely on Medicaid, the, the, the people that a Compassion Society want to help and support, and, you know, hopefully make the point that it's Medicaid expansion that these other states it's about $60 billion this year is what we'll spend on that. Over the next eight years, it's averaging $84 billion to Medicaid expansion states, which is putting at risk an already unsustainable legacy Medicaid. That's the point well, I've been trying well, to make, but I'm, you know, unfortunately, a small voice in, in the whole scheme of things here. One last question for you. I know, you, I mean, I can, I can sense you can't, you, you can't just say, okay, we're going to somehow make this work out. Um, what, what was the problem with, the, I mean, the House bill, sounded like hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw report by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It was it was tougher than what's probably going to come out of the Senate. What was wrong with the House bill? Um, you know, again, I, I think you know. First of all, the the, the whole premium tax credit to uh, reduce the number of subsidies and give it to more people. In, 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 you know, so you can say you're, you're reducing how much we're American taxpayers are subsidizing others, but now we're making more people eligible for it. Uh, you know, the disparity in terms of people that had more income versus those that had very you know, lower income. It, 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 again, it's just 
it, it wasn't a well-designed plan, quite honestly. So that was too uh, complicated. I think there, there's some advantages to the Senate plan. Ron Johnson, I wish I could say this makes me happy, but it doesn't. <laughs> I guess this I is know. a glass half half empty this time, huh? Is it? Is it? It's probably a glass half empty half empty kind of segment here today. But I do appreciate you coming on and and, and leveling with people. Thanks very much for joining me today. Have a great day. I already you- said I tell you the truth. I, I, I appreciate that. I think a lot of people do. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson, we're going to take a quick break here and be right back. Welcome back to the program. 799-1138-838-9476. First, I have no idea why people who are listening on the stream are hearing nothing but commercials. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. I, I wish I could, you know, fix that right now myself. I don't have the, the skill to do that. Um, I don't know why we seem to have a routine problem with delivering the audio consistently on the stream either. I'm going to try to figure that out, too. So thank you for your emails alerting me to that. As you can probably sense from my tone, I'm a little bit aggravated by it. <clears throat> Number two. Uh, before the end of the show, I'm going to give you guys a chance to win those Roger Waters tickets. Okay? I want to get that out of there. Number three. Um, If you missed the Ron Johnson interview, it will be available on the podcast very shortly. Scott is up, you know, is is already uploading the interview so that you can listen to that. I don't I I, I can't rehash every single thing Ron Johnson Ron Johnson just said. Suffice it to say, in a nutshell, what he said was, we're not going to repeal Obamacare. We're not even going to substantially improve the law in Enough of a way that it is going to dramatically reduce the cost of insurance or increase the choice in coverage. That's what he said. Now, I think it was clear that he was, um, shall we say, um, less than enthused about those conditions. But I know this is not going to seem like it goes with... The media's obsession right now with Donald Trump Jr.'s emails or the media's obsession with Donald Trump, Russia, Russia, Russia collusion. But it kind of does. And let me tell you why. Jonah Goldberg wrote an article in National Review. It's worth reading. And it's, it's him throwing his hands in the air saying, what do you want me to say about all of this stuff about Trump? What do you want me to say? Because I don't know what's real. I don't know what's true. I don't know what's false. I don't know what's absurd. I don't know what isn't. But, but Goldberg, because he's not a fan of Trump is is wringing his hands today over the conservatives who are reflexively defending Donald Trump before all the evidence is in, essentially saying they're just as bad as the media that is attacking Donald Trump reflexively before all the evidence is in. Wrong. Let me, I think what Ron Johnson just did in that last segment in describing the utter insincerity of most of the Republicans in in their claim to to absolutely promise to repeal Obamacare is exactly why conservatives are reflexively defending Donald Trump. That's why. It is because he seems to be the only guy interested in actually getting things done and actually attempting perhaps not perfectly, but at least attempting to fulfill some of his campaign promises. Now, 
I don't necessarily think it's a good idea to reflexively defend Donald Trump on everything, but I understand why. Number one, you've got the media attacking the guy nonstop. Number two, he's the one who seems to be getting things done. Because it isn't Mitch McConnell in the Senate. It isn't Paul Ryan in the House. Although, to Ryan's credit, he actually got a bill through. Not to, not to his great credit, but to nominal credit. So you have somebody here who is the contrast in the Republican Party and in America between action and inaction. Between tough and soft, between serious and frivolous. And that's why I think you have a group of people who are willing to reflexively defend the president, even when he does some things that seem uh, to be somewhat indefensible. I, 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 I would tell the Republicans to take a page from, you know, Trump's playbook here. I don't mean about tweeting, but about actually being people of action. Because that's not what we're getting. I mean, you heard Ron Johnson say that the Senate bill, as he understands it now, would, over the course of a couple of years, potentially reduce premiums for people who are buying insurance in the individual markets by 30%. When your premiums have doubled or tripled in some cases, the news that you might get a 30% coupon doesn't exactly warm your cockles. The news that you're not going to be able just to find kind of a no-frills, bare-bones policy that you can afford doesn't exactly make you happy. The news that, you know, you won't have multiple new choices in the marketplace doesn't exactly make you want to stand up and dance and high-five your fellow Republican for the, the tough stand. And it doesn't exactly make people want to line up and make phone calls in the next round of elections to try to get some more Republicans elected. You know what I'm saying? I will be right back. Hey, welcome back to the program. I wish I could just... Wave a magic wand and make Republicans actually behave like principled people. Some of them do. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Um, Unfortunately, even if a majority of them don't, it's enough to um, to render in our system, especially a system that right now wants to maintain um, the 60 vote rule to get significant pieces of legislation through. Um, it, it matters. It, it's the, the veto is in a handful. It's a tiny handful of people have decided to veto what the majority of Americans want from the United States Senate. But and there's a way that you can do an end run around that. Um, and that is getting rid of the 60 vote rule. But there's zero, absolutely zero interest in doing it. And so this is what we're stuck with. We're stuck with a handful, a tiny minority of people holding America hostage. It's kind of progressive, if you think about it, isn't it? That's what the progressives want to do. A tiny minority of progressives want to essentially render 
the uh, the nation ungovernable. They tried to do that in Wisconsin, rendered the state ungovernable during the uh, the, t- the 2011 Act 10 uprising. Um, all right, more on that coming, uh, you know, in the next few days, weeks, as we get closer to the Obamacare vote, <clears throat> or rather, <laughs> the um, the Obamacare light vote. I do have the Roger Waters tickets to give away. I would like to give those away now. If you'd like to go see Roger Waters, July 29th at the BMO Harris Bradley Center, I have a pair of tickets for you. I'm going to have tickets all week long. And, you know, but but probably by tomorrow I'll be in a better mood. Um, July 29th is the show. We'll take caller number 29, I think. 29, it's the age we all are uh, in a dark bar at 2 a.m., right? 29, it is. 799-1130 or 800-838-9476. Uh, Roger Waters Show at the BMO Harris Bradley Center. Good luck to you. Now, I would like to get to the um, to the Barrett recall story, which I'm kind of surprised hasn't really captured the imagination of the media broadly because it's an and, and maybe maybe there is a, a reason why. The only reason I can think of that this story, I mean, it's obviously captured some attention but the reason why this story isn't you know sort of breathlessly being you know i guess thrown out there and in every type of analysis being done on it i think has to do with the fact that the organizers of the effort um are not speaking publicly that that usually what the news will do even even the left-wing news will go cover something if there is a name attached to a press release and a phone number They'll, you know, they'll make the call. They'll go track people down. So from what I can tell, there isn't a lot of access to the people who are organizing the recall. Do I know who is organizing the recall? Um, I have an idea, but I don't know for sure who is organizing the recall. But I do know this about the recall Barrett effort. The recall Barrett effort is not a conservative effort. It is also not a liberal effort. It is not an effort by the business community, nor is it an effort just by the people. It is an effort by all types to get a different leader in charge of Milwaukee in the hopes that the new leader will recognize that certain municipal issues cut across partisan boundaries. So what I'm saying is it is a it is a. A multi-partisan, not a non-partisan, but a multi-partisan, um, cuts across socioeconomic lines, effort to get rid of Tom Barrett. Because it doesn't take just a conservative to be able to identify the stupidity of watching your crime rate rise, watching people find themselves in previously reasonably stable and safe neighborhoods, now potentially at risk of violence, watching... As, as, you know, innocent people are shot, watching as the, the chaos gets out of control. It doesn't take a conservative to realize that Tom Barrett coming out and threatening to cut over 80 cops made no sense. It doesn't take a conservative to realize that prioritizing the trolley or whatever, whatever other, you know, fancy legacy investment Tom Barrett wants to make makes no sense when you've got spiraling violence. When you have Milwaukee, which has, if calculated per capita, per person, so per person in the population, a higher violent crime rate than the city of Chicago. 
It doesn't make sense to say, well, we need a trolley. That's what we absolutely need. We need to divert dollars to a fancy train system only rich people are going to be able to afford to ride. And very few of them are even going to be interested in riding it. Because Tom Barrett decided he wanted a legacy project, a legacy transit project in Milwaukee. You don't need to be a conservative. You don't need to be white. You don't need to be rich to recognize that Tom Barrett's priorities and choices in governing this city make little sense. Will the effort be successful? Will, you know, if black and white, Hispanic and Asian people come together with liberals and conservatives and wealthy people and poor people, will will the effort be successful? I don't know. 50,000 signatures is what they have to gather. But I think that it is more likely to be successful because the coalition is broad, the list of grievances is long, and almost everybody who sees them compiled in one place will agree with them. And it may it may be enough to shake a complacent city out of its Stockholm syndrome of assuming that things will never get better. Be right back. years ago, I said what Milwaukee ought to do, what Milwaukee activists ought to do is commission a benchmark poll and see where people stand on municipal issues. Because it used to be that municipal issues did cut across sort of politically partisan lines. The left years ago realized that if they would institute, insinuate their national political proclivities into municipal government they would be able to win elections. They, they could, would be able to concentrate Democratic populations in larger urban areas. And as those urban areas got worse and worse and worse, they, 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 there was more chaos, more crime, fell into more decay. They had a trapped population of people. They had sort of permanent Democrats. Um, but even, even when that began, and that probably began in earnest, 40, 50 years ago in most cities. Milwaukee has been this way for 100 years. But in most cities, you know, some decades ago, you could still ask people at the street level, what do you think about the roads? What do you think about the potholes? What do you think about when you pick up the phone and you call 911 and it takes 40 minutes to get a police officer? What do you think about, you know, crime, gang violence? What do you think about the schools? What do you think about X, Y, or Z? And you'd have a broad... Agreement somewhere when partisan politics became sort of the norm and Republicans abandoned any hope of fighting for representation in the cities. We just stopped asking those questions about municipal issues. If you if you actually did a benchmark poll in Milwaukee, it's a, a municipal issues benchmark poll. What do you think about the potholes? What do you think about police? What do you think about 911? Now, what do you think is a better priority? Funding more officers on the streets or a downtown trolley nobody's going to ride? Where would you rather see your limited resources go? Would you rather see them go to, you know, better road management or would you rather see them go to funding legal, you know, a legal aid fund for illegal aliens? 
What you end up getting are people from the left and the right agreeing on basic municipal issues. In Madison, about eight years ago now, there was a benchmark poll commissioned. Nobody did anything with it. The idea was to actually commission the benchmark poll, realize that there is this enormous amount of agreement. This, by the way, is the in for conservatives or libertarians or at least moderates to fight their way back to some kind of voice in city government. The benchmark poll was commissioned and found that in Madison, Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin makes Milwaukee look conservative. 66 percent, depending on the issue, 66 percent to well over 70 percent of people agreed on basic municipal issues. More cops, fewer thugs on the streets. They didn't like roadside panhandling. They wanted those potholes filled. They didn't want a commuter rail system. And then that poll went to die. Nobody used it to do anything. This recall effort, I hope, comes with an investment. Because you'd actually need to invest some resources, time, energy, and money to fighting back for the heart and soul of the city. I hope that's what we're seeing here. I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. I do know that this is a broad, multi-partisan effort that cuts across socioeconomic lines and activist lines. But I don't know for sure if there's a lot of money behind it. I hope there is. And I hope then it becomes advertisements. I hope it becomes a benchmark poll that shows a whole bunch of people in Milwaukee that they actually agree on a whole lot of stuff. And Tom Barrett's getting all of it wrong. And the city council is getting all of it wrong. I hope. Hope springs eternal. This is a good sign, though. Everybody have a great day. And congratulations, by the way, who's my guy? Rick Rodriguez of Racine, who picked up those Roger Water tickets. More chances to win those tickets on the show tomorrow. Have a good one. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.